Hey, everybody. Uh, this is the show before the show. Uh, as as often happens, Nick, uh, we have recorded an entire episode, including a segment that involved uh, the fact that it seemed like an indictment was forthcoming against Donald Trump in the classified documents case. Surprise! Seven, seven charges that Trump has. <laughs> That's early on a weekender for that. So here we are doing like a little, little taste of uh, a pre-coverage. We don't exactly know all of, of what's included here, exactly what's going on. But uh, Nick, it's 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 happening. Yeah, this was the case. This was the easiest case they were going to be able to prosecute without question as far as evidence, as far as, you know, prosecutorial uh, competence, I suppose. Um, by the way, doesn't it make the um, the porn star hush money payment just kind of a quaint little uh, jaunt in the park? <laughs> it makes so many of the things pretty quaint. Like the, the amazing thing here is that the classified documents case, the fact that Donald Trump took classified documents from uh, the, the United States government, kept them at Mar-a-Lago, potentially showed them off to people for clout and maybe even for profit. Um, it's kind of amazing, Nick, that it feels not just sort of like clear cut like what he did and we just didn't expect him to be held accountable but it also is weird that it doesn't seem all that sexy you know it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal it's a massive massive deal well one one of the counts is the espionage act espionage that's pretty sexy it's a spying and I, I, I agree you and i are on the same page i i think so too it just so happens that this feels like it's documents is what it is. It's just, it's pieces of paper and folders and manila folders. I, but it, it, it's a pretty incredible thing. A former president has been charged uh, with, with stealing state secrets, more or less. Well, here's what's the most frustrating. I think we probably said this before, but the motherfucker got elected based on pillaring Hillary Clinton for not taking care of classified documents properly, <laughs> uh, which she did. Uh, it was legal. Uh, so this is the irony of ironies, but I think it actually makes perfect poetic sense. You Probably no one would believe it, right? You couldn't write this screenplay because they'd say it's just too perfect and that doesn't really happen in real life. But here's a guy who centered his entire campaign on this, on how, uh, you know, you have to be able to take care of documents. And he goes ahead and just screws it up so badly. And again, it's not that he had them because Biden had some, Pence had some, whatever. It's that he wouldn't return them uh, no matter what, which is which very well may just be his psyche. Right. He can't he can't admit that he does something wrong. So he's got to fight it no matter what. It might not have been anything uh, nefarious, but here we are. And it's a good testament to what happens when you have lawyers involved who will not take the fall for you. Which I think. Is- <laughs> well, I you know, as he goes in to get indicted, I almost expect classified documents to fall out of his pants legs. Yeah. You know, like that's how bad it is. It's it's on one hand, I there are so many documents involved in this Trump thing that some of them are intentional and some are just like poor handling of records. And I think one of the things that's going to be very fascinating to watch over the next few days as we learn what the indictments are, because so far we know lying to authorities, obstruction, uh, you had said the Espionage Act, uh, like we're still waiting on other counts, whether or not they're, you know, sort of uh, uh, the same type of, uh, of, of counts or what, like, do we know that other things have been done? Do we know that other things have happened? We're not sure. But I got to tell you, I don't think Jack Smith in this case, I don't think Merrick Garland in this case, I don't think anybody involved in it is going to not have this dead to rights. 
I, I have to tell you, I don't think the Department of Justice wants to prosecute a former president. And you're exactly right. This is something that all politicians basically do. They mishandle documents. They sort of like run aground on this stuff. As we talk about later in the show, it has to do with the fact that Trump has been so flagrant about it that he is also like, again, they don't want him to run for president. But that's neither here nor there. Like there, there has to be a case here. There is no way, shape or form that they don't. And I find it amazing. And this goes back to what you said. He ran on the Hillary Clinton corruption and mishandling of documents thing. If you remember when they didn't charge her, he cried up and down that the FBI was corrupt, that they weren't doing their jobs, all of this. It's 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 the other side of this. Now yeah. that he's being charged and the fact that Fox News is already airing programming saying that he is innocent without seeing a, even a scintilla of evidence. It, it, it does not matter. They live in their own reality of their own choosing and their own tailoring. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated by this. Fascinated. Oh, the innocence is nothing. We're talking about fundraising, Jared. That's Your right. He's out there fundraising right now about this and how it's a persecution uh, versus any other Democrat who is involved in things like this. Oh, of course, they'll assume that they're guilty, too. It's like this is how they, I mean, it's a game that everybody plays. Uh, but it's when you're talking about democracy, they are going to poison the water. Maybe yep. it's already poisoned so much that it doesn't necessarily matter. But you're, you're going to have a, a nice section of the country who's simply going to refuse to believe any of this, no matter how much evidence they're shown. Uh, and we only can hope that that's a smaller that that percentage gets smaller and smaller as we get along. We're going to see they're going to leak stuff, right? Things gonna, are going to come out. It's going to be damning. Uh, there's probably going to be more people involved as well, because conspiracy you know, usually requires more than one. It has to require more than one person. Yep. So watch for Mark Meadows, either, you know, uh, he turned state's evidence or um, he's going to be indicted as well, uh, as well as, you know, Cor Corcoran is this, a lawyer. Who, who has to be uh, uh, cooperating. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had recorded his conversations with Trump because you must do that if that's a client of yours because you know he is going to put you in legal peril. Well, something to note also here, um, he is being charged in Florida, which is a site different from being charged in Washington, D.C. or New York. This, this is going to be something that we, we're not going to know how this is going to play out, but I think they probably have him dead right. I do. And, and, and I think you're right. I think other people have turned on him, turned state's evidence. I think you're exactly right in all of that. The question is, not only is he going to be found guilty of this, but like what are going to be the consequences when it comes to violence, when it comes to him running for president? I mean, we don't even know how long he could go to prison for. We have no honest clue. I mean, everything is up in the air at this moment. Right. There was a similar uh, case from an FBI agent who got 10 years uh, after they were presented with so much evidence they had to plead guilty to it. Um, you know, I, I, he wouldn't get 10 years. They wouldn't give him 10 years. Uh, I, I, I can't see any uh, thing. You know, by the way, espionage, there's some other more severe penalties. By the way. Nonetheless, that won't happen either. Um, Eileen Cannon could very well maybe be assigned. There was some scuttlebutt about that as if maybe, you know, she was the one who assigned a special master and was like definitely kowtowing to, to Trump in a, in a very, um, I mean, she was just uh, ripped apart by the appeals court judges because they, they, you know, she was ridiculous and partisan. It, but that's another uh, problem that, that, that's, uh, that might happen in Florida. But uh, another somebody I know who's a prosecutor down there doesn't seem to think she'd get it because it's going to be in Miami and it's not her jurisdiction. So let's hope it doesn't happen because, again, they could turn into a complete kangaroo court. Well, I mean, the whole thing is going to turn into an absolute farce. I mean, there, there, there's no other way around it. I mean, Trump was fundraising off of this within a half hour. Like literally an email that said breaking indicted like that shows you where this country is and where the, the MAGA world is in terms of grifting people. Um, he's probably thrilled. 
honestly. I mean, like, really, I, I, I think it's it's going to help his his political narrative to the people who believe in him. I think he's going to, to fundraise. I don't think anyone like Donald Trump truly ever thinks they're going to be held accountable. I really don't. And so it's it's already being turned around to raise money. Uh, he's going to make a mint off of it. This remains to be seen what happens here. Uh, but this is a major deal. It's a big, big, big deal. I mean, maybe he's happy because he's already familiar with the process of turning himself in. And so that's already easy. It's not hard. He's not like scary anymore. He knows what that's like. So I don't know. I, because think, he enjoy, I think he enjoys the attention. I really, truly do. I, I, I think any attention for him is good attention. And, and I think that something like this is, is like really something that he like thrives on. I, and, and I got to tell you, all of the I've, I've been looking, none of the people who are running for president right now on the Republican side, I haven't seen anybody commenting on this. I haven't seen anybody weighing in. And there are easy points to make here to simply say, you know, the deep state's out of control. I have not seen it yet. And I think that says a lot, too. I mean, Vivek weighed in, but who cares about Oh, him? Vivek. Oh, OK. Well, stop the presses. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would prefer uh, to think that somewhere deep down, there is an immense shame going on in his cockles of his whatever somewhere i'd love to be a leave that i know he's a, he wants to battle this and he likes all the tension whatever but i'd love to be, just sort of picture him just sort of being ashamed in a quiet moment uh tonight at some point over we, know what? we, we can all live in fantasies that's what we've been taught in the united states of america we can believe that it can sustain us we can warm our hands by it it's okay i i I hear you. I would love it if Donald Trump came out tomorrow and was like, I'm so sorry about this. This is terrible. And, and, and I'm sorry for my role in it. That sounds good to me. But uh, either way, it is a long road ahead. The other, I mean, the, the New York stuff is not even going to be happening until March. Oh, so who knows what's going to happen with this and how long it's going to take. And don't forget, by the way, that he was caught on tape shaking down the, uh, the, the Georgia <laughs> process trying to get votes there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just getting so, so yeah. wild. All right, everybody, we're going to go to our show now, uh, our regular schedule, regularly scheduled programming. That didn't come out so easy. All right, everybody, let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Okay, I didn't get it on me that time. All right. Welcome to the Weekend Beer Edition of the Muckrake Podcast. I'm here with Nick Houselman. Uh, I got to tell you, Nick, um, things are picking up. Things are happening. Things are moving. Things are shaking. It feels like we are moving into, number one, the summer of the Muckrake, in which we need you to go over to patreon.com slash podcast to listen to the rest of this episode, but also support the show, but also to tell people about this show and also to get into the political season 2024. It comes early. And we are here to uh, knock all this stuff down. But it's a busy, busy time. Uh, it is. But again, I'm looking forward to some, you know, relaxing time, too, if the weather ever gets warm. Is it warm where you are? It's, it's, it's warm. It's warm. It's up. It's down. There's smoke in the air. We're, we're, we're trying to survive. Yeah, uh, thank thank goodness. But you know, I'm well aware of the smoke in the air, what that's like uh, over here, the wildfires that we have in California. But uh, so I feel for everyone that's going through all that right now because um, it, it could be brutal. It can be tough, and we're going to cover that in full here in just a second. But before we do, Nick, we have a couple of uh, happy trails that we need to talk about. First things first, big boy Chris Licht, who can lift like Jeff Zucker can't. He is out at CNN. Uh, an absolute tragedy for Chris Licht and not many other people. Um, the Atlantic article that we covered on Tuesday's show uh, was apparently the straw on the camel's back, but not the entire reason. Um, the, the reports are out now that ad sales were down 
under Chris Lick. This was not a ship that was going to sail for very long. We both sort of said it. We thought that this thing was probably coming in uh, sooner than later, but uh, the, the quickness of it was pretty astounding. Yeah, didn't take long at all. And uh, once they brought somebody else in, you know, to, to be like a co-CEO or something like that, then that was definitely the end is near. I'm not even sure Lick understood that. I, I think he went a couple days still trying to like make it all work and at some point when it turns you, you know you're best to know that and maybe get out before they get you out but uh it was a hit piece though right that was a hit piece someone set him up he again we already talked about how they shouldn't have had he shouldn't have been so forthcoming <laughs> to the author of the piece um but i suppose no one is saying uh is defending him over all this no, and I want to point something out because this is one of those things that, you know, signals get mixed up in social media the way that things like this are, are, are dealt with. A lot of people are saying that Licht was out because of his politics, because he was pushing the, and, and, and the, the phrase that's coming out now, and I actually think it's a pretty descriptive phrase, the idea that it's a um, extreme centrism, an anti-woke extreme centrism. I don't think that that's exactly wrong. As I've said before, I think the center has moved to the right because of the authoritarian push in this country. I don't think he's out because that was his politics. He's out because it didn't work, because people didn't want to watch it. And also because you couldn't turn on CNN without feeling the poisonous influence of this person. There's no other way to say it, Nick. The vibes, they were bad. Yeah. You know, it's funny because... Right. In, in an abstract way, if you're trying to increase ratings, bringing Trump on for a Trump uh, a town hall is a great idea. Um, what's interesting, though, about the whole landscape, which maybe we can kind of maybe touch on this for a second, is that Tucker Carlson is now also being served papers by Fox News, yep. if you saw that, for doing his Twitter show and violating a, the agreement he made that he wouldn't appear on anything like this for till after the election. Um, and now it's going to go back and forth. It's really fascinating. And so what's going to happen, I think, is that Tucker's trying to poison the well for Fox, right? He's going to try and get all those people that would have watched him on Fox over where he is and not and, and destroy their ratings, which are not doing great either. Um, but what's interesting about all of this, then, is where are these people going to go, right? It was, it was all up for grabs, and there was probably moments where even Lick could have figured something out to, to capitalize that if he could have waited maybe a couple more weeks. Um, but I don't think so. Do you think that any of those Fox News uh, Fox News watchers would go to CNN ultimately? No, no. I think what we're actually watching right now, and I think Chris Licht is going to be a really interesting footnote in this moment in history. I think 2016 was very particularly the election of cable news. You know what I mean? It was like how much free time they gave Donald Trump. But then, of course, you start to see social media be a part of this. Then you get to 2020 and like there wasn't even a campaign trail. You know, it was who could make the most best videos from their, their homes. And basically the battle lines were set between Biden and Trump. I think we're moving past cable news. I think the conversations that we've been having are about the death knell of this medium. And I think that we are now moving into another area where I, I don't know if social media is the one, by the way, Tucker's new quote unquote show is dreadful, awful, awful shit. I mean, not surprising, but, and I think we're going to look back on this Chris Licht, like mini tenure as like one of those really weird little footnotes in a bigger story about media and politics in this country. I, I agree. I suppose there's going to be blips where something really major, like Trump gets indicted and everyone's going to flock to whatever they want to watch. Don't spoil the show, Nick. Oh, sorry. I, you know what? I, I you already that, gave away our first two segments. What are we doing here? Medical. It wasn't even, I was just throwing something out there. Let's say, you know, whatever. I, uh, 
what else would be notable? Nonetheless, that's what's going to happen, right? You're going to have these spikes. But the worry then is that, like, if I was uh, working in one of these companies and my entire existence is rooted in these spikes of when people are going to come watch, you'd almost want to create your own news to then cover it, right? Which would be a whole dystopian future where CNN is now blowing shit up and then sending their guys over there to pretend it's like a terrorist attack. They're not doing that that I know of right. yet. But what they are doing is exactly what you said a while ago. It was like the Trump town hall. They did that to try and make news the same way that they've now had uh, 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 Haley on there, the same way that they've had Mike Pence on there. They'll have anybody on there. They'd probably give us a town hall if we wanted to do it. But the whole point is they are trying to make their own news. And that era is, is not great. You know, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for CNN. It's not good for the viewers. It's not good for politics. By the way, a very, very heartfelt happy trails from the Muckrake podcast. Friend of the pod, Pat Robertson. 93 sailing off over that rainbow bridge i gotta tell you um on a personal note pat robertson go to hell just <laughs> like one of the worst people in uh, uh modern american politics the effect that he had i i, I want to remind everybody just to set the table pat robertson not only the founder of the 700 club and part of the evangelical right was also a candidate in 1988 up against George H.W. Bush. And people like to think that that wasn't a big deal. Nick, he took Washington. He won the caucuses in Washington. He took second in Iowa. Like yeah. this guy had an actual effect on things. He is one of the originators of the New World Order conspiracy theory. One of the worst human beings in terms of his oppression of women, his oppression of gay people. Nick, if you could, the, you're going to run a clip here in a second. This is Pat Robertson. Uh, reacting to an earthquake in Haiti that killed God knows how many people, this was his reaction. And you know, Christy, something happened a long time ago in Haiti, and uh, people may not want to talk about it. They were under the heel of the French, uh, you know, Napoleon the Third and whatever. And they got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. Mm. True story. Mm. And so the devil said, okay, it's a deal. And uh, they kicked the French out. You know, the Haitians revolted and got themselves free. But ever since, they have been cursed by, by one thing after the other, desperately poor. That island of Hispanola is one island. Mm -hmm. It's cut down the middle. On the one side is Haiti. On the other side is the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Dominican Republic is, is prosperous, mm -hmm. healthy, full of resorts, etc. Mm -hmm. Haiti is in desperate poverty. Same island. Sure. Uh, they need to have, and we need to pray for them, a great turning to God. Mm -hmm. And out of this tragedy, I'm optimistic something good may come. But right now, we're helping the suffering people, and the suffering is unimaginable. Absolutely, Pat. Go to hell. Um, for anybody who is uh, unclear on the history of this, by the way, the idea that Haiti sold their soul to Satan, and that's why what happened to them happened to them. No, it's because they got taxed and levied and, and just absolutely economically dominated by the white Western powers to the point where they were never able to create something for themselves. That being said, Pat Robertson, rich tradition, blaming 9-11 on gay people, blaming basically everything on, on women uh, asserting their rights, an awful Awful human being. Awful human being. I mean, listen, you were nice to, to post to pick that as his soundbite about Haiti. 
because there's a lot of other stuff he had said. Uh, I mean, the other things that he's famous for are just like the predictions he's made that have just never been right. Um, Do you know what the 700 Club stands for? Do you know why they call it that? If I remember right, isn't it the idea that if 700 people donated a certain amount of money, they would be able to do something? Isn't it work something like that? Well, yeah, he bought he bought a um, a, a radio sta- or a TV you know station mm-hmm. that was uh, in bankruptcy in Virginia in the early '60s, and so he's able to put together 700 donors uh, that help him launch and get off the ground. So think about that. The, the, the title of his whole show is simply about like money, about like right. needing money that people need to give him. That's can I tell you, can I give you a weird little anecdote, Nick? This is yeah. a strange ad- admission. Um, it's no, I, I talked about the midnight kingdom, like how many people like Pat Robertson were part of my life growing up. Uh, my family actually sent money to the 700 club to try and bring me into existence. My parents were trying to have children. And in order to try and facilitate that, they sent money to the 700 club so that I would be born. And by the way, my family poor as fucking dirt. And that's the type of that's that's the kind of people that Pat Robertson took advantage of, kept them terrified and kept them rolling down this conspiracy theory, laden idea, blamed everything on cabal, Satan, you name it. Which, by the way, Nick, real fast, as a person outside of the evangelical community, does that make sense to you at all? Why would the Haitians selling their souls for freedom lead to them not being good? Like, wouldn't Satan provide for them? Like, it, what, it, it, it's, I know they're trying to say it's like a monkey's paw situation, but I've never been able to square that circle. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, his whole criticism about Haitians would be um, just the, the, what he perceives as immor- immorality. Immorality. Yeah. Uh, you know, gay people, you know, and, and AIDS crisis, all these things that are someone else's fault. Um, by the way, I want to know how much does it cost to conceive of a Jared Yates section? How much do they have? You know, you know what, Nick? The answer to that, priceless. Priceless, absolutely. Priceless. <laughs> All right, go to hell, Pat Robertson. I, uh, man, sometimes it's good when somebody shuffles off this mortal coil. That brings us to our main segment on the show, Nick. Uh, large parts of the United States, from New York to Georgia, from Delaware to Nebraska, are absolutely blanketed in uh, acrid smoke from wildfires in Canada. There are over 400 wildfires. Uh, It seems they were set off from uh, record temperatures, lightning strikes. Air quality in New York City and Philadelphia over the past week has been worse than anywhere else in the world. It is a large, overwhelming phenomenon that we are dealing with and, and hard to not sit here and think about like one of the most obvious side effects of climate change and global warming. Um, Meanwhile, uh, we're reacting to it not great. Uh, A lot of people are just walking around in it. Uh, A lot of people are just sort of living in it. It doesn't seem like this is sparking anything in the direction of a conversation about things that we might do. Uh, What are are your takes on this thing so far? I mean, I I don't know what you're supposed to do to avoid these things, right? Other than stay inside and and wear masks. This is why a good chance that we have, you know, uh, experience with that now. Um, but, you know, we, we heard Trump go on and on about how if we just rake the forest better, you know, we try to prevent that, it would stop. It's not like, you know, lightning strikes, like you said, could start these things. Um, and we have so much drought that these things are so dry that it could start from nothing uh, or practically nothing to uh, a huge out of control blaze. Um, it, it's a problem. It causes all sorts of issues with, with respiratory stuff. Um and I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think we are simply doomed. And this could be very well that the part of the climate change that we look at could be very well the normal cycle of this Earth. I think that we've had these. Things. This is the thing that we've seen a lot of. The only thing that's a little bit different is that it's a lot hotter now 
and maybe more conducive. But I feel like, you know, this is the natural stuff that we're not going to really be able to control, if that makes sense. You mean the side effects of the man-made situation? I, 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 yeah, I mean, I think, you know, something that has really been hammered home in my head over the past couple of days as as this haze and the smoke has been rolling in is how much the side effects the obvious visual side effects of climate disaster are going to be commodified like who can take the best pictures of it you know what i mean like who can document it who can have the best videos of it if you can go viral possibly using this as something to sort of promote your social media account or one of your you know one of your businesses it's really strange in that how that's occurred I, 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 to me, it's a lot like the Newtown situation. We've talked about it. I think before Newtown happened, we thought that something like that would lead to something significant happening, right? Mm -hmm. At least an address of the problem. I think what we're finding is that the problem of global climate change, and, you know, this isn't the first time that we've seen it. We've seen superstorms. We've seen hurricanes. We've seen, uh, you know, mass, mass refugee situations. Like, we've seen uh, Americans just absolutely left to freeze and die of starvation, you know? Wait, we, Pat Robertson actually did correctly predict uh, a tsunami. Oh! Give okay. him uh, props for that one. <laughs> ah, I hope you rot in hell. Uh, so in all of that, it is one of those situations where, you know, I, I think that the way things are situated right now, unless our politics change, unless our societies change, unless there is some sort of a progressive ground, you know, groundswell against this stuff. And maybe there will be, maybe generationally there will be. It feels like we're going to just absolutely speed run our way into a climate apocalypse in which eventually the people who den deny that it exists are simply going to turn into eco-fascists. It's going to turn into, oh, we have diminishing resources. Well, now we have to crush people in order to get those resources. I don't want to believe that. I want to believe that there is a way out of this thing. But this, like, this is a very, very obvious example of what's going on. And the fact that we're just covering it and we're not really talking about where this comes from, like particularly in mainstream media, that, that really concerns me. Well, I mean, if we live in a woke society, I would probably feel a lot better about it because sure. as the resources are dwindled, we would probably feel better about sharing everything and trying to come together yeah. as, a, as a, as a, you know, uh, civilization to help people. But we now know that that is rapidly going away and we're, and we're having more and more factions and more and more discord in a way that um, I, I easily can see us moving into. I mean, I guess Interstellar wasn't the worst model of that right as the blight takes over and we can't grow crops um it becomes a uh just a dystopian future where it's not pleasant to live in uh and i agree i i, I can easily picture people just amassing guns and amassing whatever they can uh to survive on and and, and being so wary of anybody else coming near them in that in like that, that purge sort of you know future that that could very well happen and then guess what it could really happen in other countries first so that's going to be really where the signal is going to happen. We're going to have people, refugees from other countries who have nothing and no water and no food, uh, you know, pouring into other people's countries for help. Uh, that's when we'll be able to know a little bit ahead of time before it happens here. But it's probably just the precursor to what happened here. Absolutely. Climate change is going to impact areas that have already been absolutely exploited and decimated by American hegemonic 
uh, globalism. Absolutely. That's where it's and, and where it's already happening first. And eventually what's going to happen is the same thing that we've sort of seen with the refugee crisis. We're going to see authoritarians and strongmen who want to put these people in camps and even forcibly sterilize them, right? Because they're seen almost as vermin who need to be put off. Um, that That is absolutely where all of that is going. I want to go ahead and say that I don't think it's a coincidence that as we're facing almost the near certainty of climate apocalypse, also political alienation, frustration, uh, an era of malaise, people are very frustrated right now. And by frustrated, I don't just mean that they're angry. I mean that they're also, a lot of people are checking out. A lot of people are dropping out. They're just like, fine, I nothing can be done. I'm just going to enjoy my life. I don't think it's a coincidence that as we tiptoe or sprint, depending on your uh, perspective, towards that state, I don't think it's a coincidence that like we're watching Apple bring out virtual reality glasses. I don't think it's a surprise that we're talking about things like the metaverse. I don't think it's a surprise we're talking about artificial intelligence creating entertainments and and, and alternate realities that we can live within. I think in all of this, what's going to get served until something changes, and God, I hope it does, is going to be the business profit incentive to go ahead and make money off of the problem, not to solve it but to make money off of it. And so as a result, I, I think the idea that we can, you know, the people who can afford it can live in a different reality where they don't have to look at these things. I, I, I think that that looks very tempting for a lot of people. Uh, I, it's an interesting uh, point, especially with the AI. <clears throat> I, I don't know if it's necessarily related to where we are as a society and why it's coming out now. They've probably been working on it for decades, trying to get sure. there. But sure. I think the point is that the popularity of these things as they start to explode is what's indicative of why of, of why where we are is so dangerous of a time in theory uh, because of that. Like, yeah, we are moving toward the end of Wally where everyone's sitting there. You know, they never walk. They're just stuck at a screen and they're completely uh, unplugged or plugged in. So they don't have to be unplugged and aware of what's really happening in reality. Uh, it, it, it does make sense. It's just probably the part of the show where, you know, anxiety is ratcheted up and. We, we would be remiss before we uh, get too much farther. We, I think we have a pledge. We, it'd be really nice if people want to listen to the rest of the show on patreon.com slash muckrake podcast. But also, if you just want to suggest this show to one other person, just all. That's all we would ask for is just suggest to one other person. And, uh, and if they're interested in this kind of stuff, uh, would really kind of help us out and uh, keep this conversation going. The Summer of the Muckrake. Now, you've been listening to the free part of this episode. If you'd like to hear the rest of this great conversation, head over to patreon.com slash muckrakepodcast and subscribe for lots more additional content, including a Discord server and live shows. We'd really appreciate it if you could give it a try. We know you'll love it and come back for more.